0: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Welcome into the Y9 Choir podcast. Jeremy Warner, Y9 Choir publisher, here with you. And the temperature's a little warm this week in Champaign, not just outside, uh, but with the football program being a very, very disappointing 0-3, with largely three uncompetitive games in year five of head coach Lovey Smith's tenure, people are not happy, and understandably so. Illinois right now is one of two 0-3 teams in the Big Ten, along with Penn State. Hmm. Never thought that would have happened. But yes, Illinois is 0 3 at the bottom of the Big Ten West. Nebraska's 0 2. They've only played two games because of Wisconsin uh, and its COVID struggles. But this is not where Illinois is supposed to be in year five of Lovey Smith. Josh Whitman said when he hired Lovey Smith that he would bring them back to national relevance. And while everybody has mostly been patient through years of struggle under Lovey Smith and saw a little bit of bright spot last year, um, People might not have thought that realistically that Lovey Smith would compete for a Big Ten title this year, but they should understandably expect more than what they're getting right now, which is a six-game losing streak following last year's four-game win streak. So I think even the optimists right now uh, that have backed Lovey Smith are saying we need more. Even with uh, the players who have been out due to COVID, uh, Illinois should compete more than it did last week uh, against. Uh, Minnesota, 41-14. to That loss, it wasn't even that close. And in week one, when they were full strength, losing 45-7 to to Wisconsin for a game that you had weeks and months uh, to prepare for. So this is a lot of pressure now on Lovey Smith entering the second third of this shortened season. And now Illinois heads to Rutgers as a seven-point underdog. Rutgers is a favorite for the first time in a Big Ten game since 2014. And Illinois is the team that it is favored over. And that's not a good place to be for Lovey Smith and for Josh Whitman. Um he can't be happy with where this program is. Now, there are six games left, and we saw Illinois turn a season around last year. Uh, We know that they have players returning this week, whether it's Doug Kramer, Isaiah Williams, uh, Shaman Cooper uh, to your special teams, Uh, Jordan Slaughter gives you some depth uh, at offensive line, and Keith Randolph at defensive end gives you another player that can contribute there. But the issues seem way bigger than that. Illinois right now is tied for last in the Big Ten in scoring offense at 15 points per game. They have scored just over 70 points in its last six games uh, that they have played. Defensively, might be the even bigger concern because unlike the offense, you have not missed many players due to COVID. Now, last week, you were missing players due to injury, whether it was Nate Hobbs or Marquez Beeson. It obviously hurt the secondary and forced you to play some players who aren't playing well right now. But also, uh, your starters, your experienced players are not playing well. Nate Hobbs has not had a good season. Sidney Brown has not had a good season. Milo Eifler uh, has not had a good season. And it goes back to why is this team underachieving based on the expectations that Lovey Smith set? And why are they underachieving based on the talent they have? They're not a top tier team, talent wise, in the Big Ten, but they certainly have more talent than they've had in previous years and enough to compete uh, with its Big Ten foes. Two weeks ago on this podcast, we talked with Jay Lehman, who was fired up after one loss, understandably so, in an uncompetitive 45-7 loss to Wisconsin. I wanted to catch up with Jay Lehman yet again this week after three straight losses to start the season to discuss why this team is underachieving. What is Lovey Smith not doing right with his defense, most importantly, but also Rod Smith and his offense? And what does he, as an alumni, feel about where this program is at right now? And I can tell you, Jay Lehman was even more fired up this week. I chatted with Jay. It was going to be about 20 minutes. We went for about 35 minutes. And it could have probably went longer. But uh, Jay was fired up. And I think you'll appreciate his candor. I think you'll appreciate his sentiment about how he feels about where his alma mater's program is right now. So coming up next on the Illini Inquirer podcast is former Illini All-American linebacker and Big Ten network analyst Jay Lehman. Welcome back into the Illinois Enquirer podcast. And I usually love talking Illinois football with this guy, but it's, it's been a rough several years of doing so. But I, last time we talked, Jay Lehman, um, you were pretty fired up, and that was after one loss to a really, really good program. Now Illinois is 0 3 in a season I think we all thought they'd be better. Lovey Smith thought they'd be better. So I, I'm checking your pulse right now. How are you feeling? My pulse is racing,
0: but not in a good way. Uh quite frankly I have been extremely and I know I know that Lovey says disappointed I've been so extremely disappointed and in talking to some of the fans I think it's moved on past from disappointment to apathy mm-hmm. and this is what happens when expectations Jeremy certainly are are not met and I know there's a lot of factors uh, many factors other teams have dealt with I know we've lost our quarterback and some linemen have been shuffled around, but the defense has been largely, largely untouched by COVID. And um, to me, it's just inexcusable at this point in the program, what, where we thought the program was built to.
1: Yeah, Jay, and I thought we were done with those uncompetitive games right? Like, and most of this season has been uncompetitive. I mean, Purdue had a 31-10 lead going into the final quarter there, um, so maybe Illinois played okay in the second quarter, and and it played well in the fourth quarter, but uh, it's been largely uncompetitive. So, what did you see out of the team on Saturday against Minnesota? Were there any alarm bells to you? as that score just kept going up and up and up?
0: Uh, I'm I'm really having a hard time, and, and I'm sure Coach could explain it to me, but Jeremy, when I watch the film, and, and I have watched the film of the past game, I, I'm, I, I believe some of our best playmakers are at the linebacker position. Unfortunately, they are either way too close to the line, lined up at three yards, or up in the line. And when I take a player like, let's just say Jake Hansen, and I put him up in the line, just to take care of that gap, a lot of guys can take care of a gap. I need Jake Hansen to do more than take care of a gap. I don't need him to be a robot and just hit that gap. And what, I, what I've what i seen is just a bunch of guys trying to hit a hit gap, linebackers so far up in the line, either on a run play that bounces outside, there's no way to scrape over the top, there's no contain, or on an RPO or a slant route, they're so far up in the line, there's no help to the DBs at all, meaning you know, you don't have to block the pass, but you do got to make the quarterback throw the ball over and put a little air under the ball so that gives you just a split second more for that DB to adjust and make a play on the ball. We're not doing any of those things at the linebacker position. I, I don't know why. It looks like they just charge forward every play, I don't know what's happened to read steps. I don't know what's happened to, hey, let me line up at four and a half yards or five yards because I can always go forward faster than I can go backwards. Like just, just basic stuff that I was screaming when I was watching the film back and my wife came and was like, what's wrong? I was like, I, I just can't watch it anymore. I can't watch. That's where I was at. Yeah. That That's where I was at on Sunday afternoon because just, it just wasn't making any sense to me why certain people were doing certain things the lack of tackling the you know the literal you know 15 yard out route or 10 yard slant they could have thrown forever it just right it just doesn't make sense to me like what? it just
1: doesn't make sense and so i know i'm
0: rambling you got to help me jeremy <laughs> no no i, I like
1: this you. jay because this is how i feel like two years ago even three years ago as lovey's playing all these freshmen and sophomores you just maybe didn't have the talent right I don't think that's the case. I think there is more talent out there than is actually shining through. Like I think Nate Hobbs is, is better than what he's played this year. Uh, Sidney Brown has not been good at all this year, but I think he's got talent. You, you mentioned Jake Hansen, Neil Eifler. There are guys out there that I feel should be p- be playing better than they are. They're gonna play on something. Here's the deal: going to the season, out that Nate Hobbs was an NFL corner.
0: I thought he was. I think Jake Hansen will play the next level. I think Kendrick Green will play the next level. Um, I, I think Roger Perry will probably get a shot. I, I think Tariq Barnes at some point could get there. I thought Sidney Brown might have a chance. I think, you know, Daniel Barker, Luke Ford, Daniel Matterbaby. we got three really solid tight ends that never touched the ball, really. Uh, Josh Matterbaby might be an NFL guy. Like, th- there's NFL talent out there. I thought Pelcho – could be an uh, Palkeski. Could be an NFL guy before the East struggled last game. Um, there, there's guys out there. We got we got talent. Whether it was recruited or whether it was developed, whether what it whether it is, we got talent. We not we, we're not for the talent that we have that I think we have. We're not even close. We're so far away, and I and and and, and you know I, I just. Like you said, year year one, year two, year three, I I can stomach it. Year five, I I guess I'm having a little bit of, uh, I'm having a little problem justifying it as I look at it because I'm like, let's just take the quarterback position. And I'm going all over the place right now. Mm. But I don't know where, I don't know. I know we're talking about defense, but if you have a quarterback, you have a chance. You know, I heard Pat Fitzgerald say this, you know, they really struggled with the quarterback position last year. What happened to the season? They were three and nine, right? They get a quarterback back. Uh, they get Peyton Ramsey, not a superstar, but a solid Big Ten starter. Let's just, we could, we can agree mm-hmm. on that. Solid Big Ten starter. Not gonna kill you. Probably not gonna put you over the top a ton of times, but he's gonna really give you a chance. And they're three 0 and I think they're the favorite. They're the favorite in my mind to win the Big Ten West. He's gonna come down to the game this week against Purdue. Wisconsin's almost out of it if they miss one more game. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know how good Wisconsin is. It just showed me how bad Illinois was. (laughs) Nebraska's already got two losses and missed a game. Minnesota's got two losses. So who's going to beat Northwestern? Oh, Iowa's got two losses. Oh, who's their their crossover? though? Oh, they got to play Michigan State? Okay, Northwestern. Okay, yeah, guys, they're going to be in the Big Ten title game. Northwestern. Mm -hmm. And you know what? They got a lot of state of Illinois guys, and Minnesota had a lot of state of Illinois guys there. Now, back to the quarterback position. We're so far away at the quarterback position, even where I saw Brandon Peters play, to having a chance. It's just difficult for me to even wrap my mind around how we can be five years in. I know Matt Robinson got hurt. I know we're our four-string quarterback. I get that. I get all that. I just want to have a dude that can take us up and down the field. Mm -hmm. And I don't feel like we have that. And I, I have tried to remain positive. I'm just, at the end of the day, I'm just frustrated because we're not competitive. Yeah. And I look at programs like this. Let's take a bigger picture of the of the conference. So guys, I know this is the Jeremy Warner podcast, but guess what? This is my segment. No, I mean, that's why it.
1: I brought you on. Yeah.
0: So, so <laughs> here's the reality. Let's take a look at the bigger conference. Okay. Is there one team, that we can honestly say we're in a better position in the conference than these other teams. Let me just go through a list. Indiana. Indiana has a top ten program. Whether that stays or not, it is today. It is true today. Okay? And they beat Michigan and they beat Penn State fair and square. Okay? Kudos to Tom Allen. He's been there less than, than our coach has been, than Lovie Smith's been there. And you know what? He hasn't recruited all that great. He's pretty decent, better than they have in the past there, I should say. But he's developed players. Jeff Rump, 2-0 and in the Big Ten. Might be 3-0, just had a game canceled, but 2-0. and um, They've been very competitive in games, even though they haven't won as much as uh, that he probably would want to. But from where they were after Daryl Hazel, he's done a phenomenal job. P.J. Fleck, I get that they struggled. They just trounced us. They did have a 10-win season and beat Auburn last year in the Outback Bowl. Very impressive win. Okay, well, what about the Big Ten? What about Scott Frost? Scott Frost has struggled, but at least he's been competitive in games. At least their offense moves up and down the ball. I think Luke McCaffrey's going to be a star. Northwestern, I'm not even going to know. I already talked about Northwestern. Okay, what about Maryland? What, what, about, what about Maryland? Well, Maryland in year two has just pulled off two pretty darn big wins, Minnesota and Penn State. And they owned that Penn State game. That was not a fluke. Rutgers, they have a Big Ten road win against two, Michigan State. Michigan say, oh, but they beat Michigan at Michigan. What have we done? I, 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 I what have we done? I, I, there's not, and all those, a lot of those coaches hadn't been there five years. I, I, I can't argue with what I'm seeing. I have the privilege of watching every coach's tape of any Big Ten team that's out there. I watch the tape. And the execution by Illinois is not anywhere close to where it needs to be to win football games. And that is frustrating. Okay. I usually don't talk that well. No,
1: that was fantastic, Jay. And that's (laughs) that is cold hard facts, right? Like it is not it is not being negative. It is Lovey Smith, even if you want to take away the first couple of years, which is generous, he is six and fifteen in his last three seasons of Big Ten play, right? Uh and, and Josh Whitman, when he released a statement about the hire of Lovey Smith, he said it's gonna bring us back to national prominence, right? Well, Illinois doesn't even have Big Ten prominence or in state prominence. That those are just facts at, at this point, and it's not good enough. And to me, we just talked about the talent. I feel like he has improved the talent, but you thought when you hired Lovey Smith, you'd at least get the, the, the development, right? The That they would be put in positions to succeed, and I wanted to get your thoughts on, on defensively. I think we've talked about this plenty in the past, Jay, but now that he has all his own recruits, I think it's worth another discussion. Why does his defense, why is it not working, one, and two, it seems to be terrible. Um, for the Big Ten in this conference?
0: Uh, you know, I, I, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of theories because it seems like we have some at least some talented players. There's always been a shortage in my mind of, of great defensive line depth. But at the same right. time, we have enough talent that we should be better than we are and shouldn't just be banking on turnovers every game. And I think if we look at the last 20 years of college football, You'd be hard-pressed, and, and I'm going to call college football a major, a major sport. You would be hard-pressed at any level of major sports to find more innovation happen on one side of the ball than what you've seen in offenses of college football. I mean, well, it, it was only 20 years ago that Drew Brees took Purdue to the Rose Bowl with, with, with basketball on grass and really – the spread had hit a lot of that had started in the high school levels down in texas and whatnot um, but the spread the empty sets uh five wide started to hit we then had a revolution of uh tempo and running the ball on the spread in which uh west virginia programs like west virginia mm-hmm. programs like illinois when i was there benefited from that being very cutting edge mm-hmm. leading the league in russia in 2006 and 2007. Running the ball out of the spread, and then it also it, it morphed into the RPO. RPO made made famous by a number of schools. Probably, you know, uh, the quarterback run game in with the RPO. Florida started doing a little bit of that with Urban Meyer, and then it just started to get bigger and bigger on the RPO side. And now um, we've got to admit that. Offenses have changed at a clip and therefore defenses who are always in reaction mode in the game and in development, they have had to change as well. uh, Both personnel wise and scheme wise. I'm not sure. I'm not sure some of these defenses aren't necessarily. um, Are, are, are are just not fit for um, what we see now. You can say, well, what about you know Northwestern they they play the same defense largely most of the time. What about uh, Iowa? They play the same defense. yeah, they do, but they have little subtle adjustments and they do are in the same defense enough that they know whatever's thrown at them they know how to react to it rather than all this other stuff. I just don't know if some of these defenses, without having NFL talent, work with the innovative offenses. Of the college football world, I'm just not sure we haven't seen it really executed in yeah. my mind. If that makes sense, so sorry what, for the history. No, lesson, no. Guys.
1: But so, what? What is the key then for a one gap? Right. Um. Mostly, right. it's not always cover two. Right. They they flip things but, up and and they go one. Yeah, they, they go they, two. They, they, they go do three. Some,
0: so they do some cover three. They don't, they love to do cover three, which is a single high safety, which looks the same as what we call man free, which is short for man to man free. One high safety. And it looks the same to a quarterback because they're both single high safeties. And the advantage of a zone zone defense has always been I have eyes on the quarterback, I can react to it. If you look at who leads the league in interceptions over the last three years, it's Iowa. Uh, they, they lead college football the last three years because they always have eyes on the quarterback and they react to the ball. Northwestern's average, if you take away last year, 25 turnovers a clip. Talking to defensive Corey Mike Hankwitz, I got a lot of respect for him, uh, for the talent he's had. He's had a top twenty-five defense many years. Also, Phil Parker at Iowa. I pick these guys' brains. Mm-hmm. Why do they stay? Why didn't Mark, Mark D'Antonio stay in the same defense, a zone defense? And and what what why was he doing that? And why largely were ninety percent of their snaps the same thing? And I think it comes down to number one, um, More than anything, you got to have guys know exactly what they're doing, and not too, too much. Number two, um, college quarterbacks are not NFL quarterbacks, even though they've gotten better. It's still, it's still hard. You know, it's it. it, You, it's not like I got to be man to man to take away windows. The windows are still small enough in zone you can make a play. But number three, like, I'm just shocked that we can neither do either right. Usually when you do defense, and this is what you're saying, like single gap stuff, I either take away the run and I get blitzed in the pass, or I take away the pass and I get blitzed on the you know, run. Right. What I see is they can do whatever they want. If I'm running a single high, which means I have one safety high instead of two safeties high, and then two cornerbacks, well, guess what? That's two cornerbacks, one safety. That means there's three guys outside the box, eight guys inside the box on two high, uh, you know, safety uh well, the two high safeties that's cover two or maybe a cover four they call that quarters coverage in two dbs that's a seven man box that sometimes now they try to bring those safeties down in quarters to make it an eight man box at times depending on which way the ball goes but what i'm saying is cover do cover two you should be better against the pass than the run cover three and cover one which is just man free uh you should be better against the run i don't see as good in anything so I don't
1: know. Yeah, so wh- I just talked a
0: lot in circles for people. You probably didn't follow that, guys, but that's okay.
1: Yeah, so why is why is Illinois not successful doing it? Right, like I see these huge windows, Jay, of them in this deep coverage, and teams just pick it apart. They pick apart the middle of the field right off the snap, and uh, obviously Illinois is not uh, very gap sound. So. Um, <laughs> It, it, it's just teams know what they're they're getting uh, against Lovie Smith, and they're just able to pick it apart. Why is that?
0: Well, well it, it, it's, it's a great question, number one. No, number two, two most important stats, I believe, you know, turnovers are very important. That's the big part of the game. But when we look at just true defensive stats, turnover is more of a team stat because it's turnover margin. But our rush defense and scoring defense, Those are are really the two most important. If I can stop the run, uh, I can get the ball back, and I can win time of possession. So we haven't been able to do any of those. Good. Um, I think they've pounded into them. Stop the run, stop the run, stop the run. And I see a lot of linebackers so geared up to stop the run. They're not reading much. They're just going up into the line, and then we leave it. We're vacating that area. We'll, you know, I would say five to ten yards beyond the line of scrimmage is wide open. Uh, and so, or five to fifteen yards. For me, it just is a total lack of teamwork, of execution on the linebackers' part, mm. uh, on the DBs' part, and. Quite frankly, the D line. Everything else, it just seems like a lot of guys are out there to do their job, quote unquote, and be a robot and not make plays. Hmm. Like as a as a defender, like I always told people this. Like I I got cut from the NFL seven times. You look it up; everybody knows that. I I always thought to myself, as a defender, it's it's a lot different than an offensive player because I, I could literally go through a whole practice. And, you know, you get graded on, okay, your assignment, your technique, and your effort. And let's say I get pluses on all those. I grade out great. And I never make a play. I could get pluses all NFL training camp and still get cut. Yeah. Because here's the deal. As a defensive player, it's not not the coach's job to notice you. It's your job to get the coach to notice you. You have to go make plays. What I love about defense is I believe that every play was my play. They didn't call any plays for me. They might call blitz here and there. But, like, as a receiver, I might know, like, okay, the ball is coming to me. I'm, I'm progression one. Like, it's coming. Or I'm, I'm a running back. He could hand the ball off to me or I'm getting the ball. Like, no, defense is a totally different mentality. And I'll never forget when I got to the NFL, the veterans are, are very, very against being robotic. Like, don't ever say, like, well, I had my gap. I don't care if you had your gap. Mo Ibrahim is on the, on the edge now. He's long gone past your gap. So why don't you get out of your gap and go make a play? Like, I, I just feel like it's very robotic out there. Mm-hmm. And I want to see instinctual play, but I just see it's like, okay, I got my gap. Well, that's got to be somebody else. Well, guys, football is give and take. There is wins and losses in individual battles in each play. And it's the ultimate team game. You've got to make up for your teammates, and your teammates will make up for you sometimes. I can't just be, let me get my gap. Yeah. Let me get my man. Let, let me tackle him for a seven-yard game. Like, I just, I got to see more football player out there. Like, as a defender, I got to make plays. Right. Other than Jake Hansen, who's making plays on defense? I've seen Owen Carney the game before. Like, you've got to have disruptors. I'm always respected about Jake Hansen's game. Always respected. He'll miss a few tackles. He does. But I'd much rather have him have a ten tackle performance uh, with a forced fumble and two set sa- a sack and a tackle for loss and four missed tackles than fifteen tackles with no missed tackles and he tackled up for a four yard game because he was right. playing safe. Like you have, like offense hates disruption. When when we and Urban Meyer said it best. When I talk about defensive line productivity, I don't talk about sacks tackles for loss. That's a a product of being disruptive. I talk about being overall disruptive. Because I can disrupt an offense, timing, execution gets all messed up. I don't see any if you watch the film, very few players in Illinois are disruptive. Think about it. Like, when's the last thing like, man, he's really been, he's really blowing stuff up. Like, it seems like a lot of guys blow the Illinois offense up. But I don't see a lot of guys being disruptive on the Illinois defense. Like you've got to have some dudes that just make plays on defense. And uh, that's a long monologue for me. I've had a lot of them today, guys. (laughs) but that's what I see. So so is there um, anything
1: lovey uh, does? Like, is there anything he can do? To to turn the tide on the defensive side of the football, like if he if he asked you in your meeting leading into Rutgers, Jay, uh, I, do, I doubt he will. Um, but if he asked you, Jay, what should I do? What, what should I do defensively to get these guys better or to make a change? If I have to change one thing schematically,
0: oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> not not number one, I would scoop back to linebackers. This is a personal like them being lined up at three yards and sometimes up in the line, takes away their ability to make a play. So, number one, I line my linebackers up at five. I'd say play, play. like, say flat-footed. That doesn't mean, like, I'm on my flat feet. It just means, like, I'm not leaning forward or leaning back, but I'm reading stuff. I'm not just charging ahead. If if I'm the D-line, I don't really have um, the guys up front this year to – go four down and hold points of attack. Um, so I've got to do, a, do sound stunts, not crazy stunts, but just some sound stunts, you know, to, to help create some disruption. And then uh, I've got, to, I thought they could hold up in man coverage on the back end this year. That doesn't seem to be, doesn't seem to be the case. Ultimately, I've got to have Nate Hobbs and Cindy just play better. Yeah. there's not like a schematic thing. Like they've gotta play better. There's there's no way around it. I mean, Ron Zook gave us a speech every time. Like, who's an A plus player? Who thinks there's an A A player? And you know, you have to like raise you, raise your hand if you think you're an A plus player. Well, if you got confidence yourself, you raise your hand. It goes, okay, well, A plus players play A plus games. Mm -hmm. So like if you don't play good. We won't win, and he used to say it like that. Like, 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 he used to tell me, like, if, like, you, he couldn't have won one time. I was like, you got a good game, but like, it wasn't what you could do. And if you don't play like what you can do, we're not going to win because right. we ain't got that many A plus players. It's a sobering thought, and it's a lot of pressure on a kid. But this big time college football. Yeah, and and if you want to be an NFL better player, ready to do that, you know?
1: Yeah, and if you want to be an NFL player, um, you're gonna have that pressure in right. the year, right? So uh, Right. No, they, so he they,
0: would put the pressure on it. Like if you're an A plus player, show me. Yeah. like I gotta see it. I gotta see if you if you're as good as you say you are and think you are, you gotta show me. And by the way, if you don't show me, we're gonna lose. Right. And I think people really respect it because it was the truth. <laughs> like, you know, you might think that's like okay that's pretty combative and confrontive to a 20 year old kid but you knew going in what it was expected of you so yeah so that's just that's getting into coaching styles and stuff there's a lot of different things but ultimately we all just know we need to play better
1: yeah uh (laughs) jay i want to ask you one more because rod smith uh, obviously, he's on his fourth quarterback right now, and we'll see if Isaiah Williams plays this week and if he starts uh, instead of Karan Taylor. Uh, he was out without two key offensive linemen, his top backup, and of course, his starting center. But still, the last six games, even with you know having backup quarterbacks, most of those games, even with you know the receivers at the end of last year struggling, um, why is Rod Smith's offense easy to defend during this six-game losing streak?
0: Yeah. That's so a good question. Uh, one, I thought with uh, uh, Corin Taylor that uh, we would have a better running attack. And I guess we did have a little bit better. I know Epstein popped a couple. It was good to see him. I thought he played hard. Uh, I know Taylor ran some. Um, but, again, two things are really, have really hurt him. Even when Peters was around, we haven't had consistent quarterback play. Mm-hmm. It just hasn't been that great. So there's, there's not a ton of threat to, to throw the ball. We haven't had a ton of weapons, um, other than the matter Bebe at times. Uh, number, number two is we might be the most, it's probably hyperbole, self-destructive <laughs> offense out there. Nebraska has its moments. I did Nebraska and I was talking to Scott Frost. He's like, I I we just self destroy we just we just do stupid stuff, basically. You know, like, hey, we did a penalty here, we fumbled here, we did this, mm-hmm. he's frustrated about it. But you watch Illinois and the fact that we are fourth and forty eight in goal or something like that, right? I mean, that is just a testament to the self destruction that, that that Illinois off the Illinois offense has and when you self-destruct in a very rhythmic up-tempo run-oriented offense it's a disaster to get that rhythm back and those yards back and i think rod's had a rod has had a tough time with that and uh, but again i think it comes back to the quarterback play you got to have a dude at quarterback it's just what college football demands mm-hmm. and when we don't have a dude at quarterback, we don't have a chance. And that's the God's honest truth.
1: So next week, you're call, you're on the call for Rutgers and <laughs> Illinois is an underdog, man. Um, th- this is, it's got to be here. It's got to be here. It's got to be Nebraska the next couple weeks. Otherwise, Jay, uh, understandably, people are, are thinking of who's who's the next guy to lead this program.
0: No, I mean, and and I can just tell you, based on what I've seen on tape, they should be an underdog. Rutgers has played much better. Um, they were competitive. Obviously, they beat Michigan State. Uh, they caused seven turnovers. That was a huge factor in that, no doubt. But they were competitive with the solid Indiana team for about a two and a half quarters. They – I mean, I don't think anybody expected them to put up more than 20 points against the Buckeyes. Uh, Yet they did. Um, I don't care if you're using trickery or whatever. They look competitive to me. Um, And I can just tell you right now that by the time we face Nebraska in two weeks, I think that machine will be rolling. Mm -hmm. Um, So... I'm, I'm concerned um, I think this week tells us a lot about what's going on I know that, that Brandon still is um, is still out but we get a lot of our players back from what I understand from the contract tra- uh, contact tracing window is done will be done and uh, if we don't win this game it raises some very very large questions because not only are the programs that we've historically compared ourselves to undoubtedly better than us Indiana, Purdue, Northwestern, Minnesota, I won't even throw in Michigan, I won't even throw in, you know, Iowa or somebody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, those programs are better than us. But we would have to say that the bottom feeder of the Big Ten, which has been Rutgers the last three years, four years in the first year of, of, of Greg um, tenure. And, and he's a good coach. No doubt is a better team than us in year five of a huge investment in a coaching staff. That is a hard pill to swallow. It's not fun to say, I don't like having these conversations, but it is the reality of what we're in.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And it's unacceptable, right? It's, it's unacceptable at this point uh, in year five. Jay Lehman, I know this isn't a fun conversation, but I think for a lot of people, um, it's it's good to hear that somebody is football smart as you and an alum that cares about this university uh, feels the same way that they are because I, I think it's it's very warranted.
0: Yeah, you know, and and there's the, there's there's a lot of pain out there. I, I you know I guess what I'm on the kind of meta, large scale level, you know. You know, me and you are old enough to remember when Illinois has gone to the Sugar Bowl or has gone to the Rose Bowl. I, I'm, you know, my son walks around in a, in a Clemson shirt. He loves Clemson. They win, right? He sees them on TV. He wanted to know. He was bummed that Clemson got beat by Notre Dame late. Hmm. Um, we're in danger of losing a generation of Illini fans that have not seen sustained success. Um, the college kids, you know, the freshmen that entered the University of Illinois um, this year were five years old when we went to the Rose Bowl. My first memory of Illinois was when I was seven. It was, uh, I think, the Aloha Bowl or something when they played Hawaii, but I remember them going to a bowl game. So we have got a whole incoming class of people that have never experienced Illinois at a level that is above five hundred, mm-hmm. really. And that is scary because if you get to that level, you start to become identified as that, and that has a chain negative chain reaction into a lot of different things. I'm J- not saying it can't be turned around, but it's scary.
1: Yeah. Jay, one quote stands out to me. Um, when Josh Whitman fired John Gross, which I know he didn't want to do because he really liked John, um, he mentioned the 04 or 05 team. And, and at the time, he said, that was 10 years ago. And if we're not careful, it will be 30 years ago. That's what I can't allow to happen. And I, I wrote this week. The last Big Ten championship was nineteen years ago. Your Rose Bowl. I was in college then too. That was thirteen years ago. Right? Like that's you can't allow Illinois to continue to decline like this. And that's what Lovey Smith has to try and turn this around. It's a Herculean task, it looks like.
0: No, I mean, that's the that's the bigger that's the bigger picture right there. Is is we it has been I, I think Illinois fans would be you know, happier than a pig in mud for we've always said this. Five hundred years in a year that was special. Every six or seven years, they were happy. But the reality is, it seems so far away from that. There isn't. It's gone from anger, which was week one, to confusion, week two, and now I think it's week three. It went, it went into apathy mode, and it, it you know. If it gets to if it gets past apathy to just outright outrage after that, then yeah, I don't know. I don't know what's gonna happen. <laughs>
1: Jay Layman, um I know it's not a fun talk, but I always appreciate the talk, man. You're the goods. All right, bro, take care. I always appreciate Jay Layman's candor. And I'm sure some people don't like it in the football program, but you gotta be better. You gotta do better. Um, you know, and when you're winning games, Man, you're going to get all the praise, deservedly so. I think a lot of us gave a lot of praise for for their comeback last year, winning four straight games, um, being able to turn that season around, and hopefully, uh, for their sake, they can do it again this year, right? That's still a possibility. But in year five, when you set such high expectations, um, and I, I understood why they did, of why they thought they could be, you know, the riser in the Big Ten West. But you got to back it up, man. And, and you can't lose like you're losing. You can't lose like you're losing and and, and be upset about some negative coverage because what do you expect? What do you expect? It's a results-based business. and I, I respect Lovey Smith. I think most of us do, but it is a results-based business and the results compared to his peers, right? And, and I'm not talking even Jim Harbaugh who's on the hot seat because Michigan should have higher expectations, but – you compare him to Tom Allen. Tom Allen's won eight of his last twelve games. PJ Flex won eight of his last twelve Big Ten games. These are Big Ten games. Uh, Jeff Brom is fourteen and fifteen in Big Ten play, and he took over a program that was probably below what Lovey Smith took over. Now maybe they had a little bit more stability because they didn't have the turmoil of, you know, um, a scandal. At the same time, Terrell Hazel did not leave a full cupboard there. <laughs> at Purdue. And Jeff Brom's been able to get Purdue into the middle of the Big Ten, which is where I think Illinois fans, I think that's the expectation. It's to be the middle of the Big Ten West. And right now, Illinois is not just the bottom of the Big Ten West. They're at the bottom of the Big Ten going into Rutgers. And if they win that game, it means they're just not at the bottom. And then you got to find a way to stack some wins here uh, on a schedule that only gets tougher because Nebraska's offense can be legit here. Uh, I, I agree with Jay. I think they'll be tougher when you play them than, than right now. And then you get Ohio State, then you get Iowa, then you get Northwestern. It, it doesn't get any easier. So they have to find a way to, to swim against that tide, that undertow that's that's negative right now, and understandably so. We'll see if they can do it. I appreciate Jay Lame, his football knowledge, and his passion about it. his alma mater there. As always, Thank you for listening to the Illini Enquirer podcast. Subscribe to us, rate us, review us wherever you uh, get our podcast. Also, check out the website for the latest. Uh, we'll have more breakdowns, especially of Illinois basketball coming up here. National Signing Day uh, started today, Wednesday, and uh, we'll have more on, on that for you as we go across. It's national signing period, the, the fall open period here. Luke Goody will sign for Illinois, and uh, we'll see if they can add Ty Ty Washington to that. But Derek Piper will have the latest there at IlliniEnquirer.com. Everybody have a great day. Great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time on the Illini Enquirer podcast. NTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level.